This is Reimagining Healthcare, a podcast about innovation in the healthcare industry. It's a show for healthcare business owners, for healthcare professionals, for industry investors, and health tech entrepreneurs. On the show, I talk to health tech and healthcare innovators to uncover how they're reimagining and building a world of seamless digital healthcare experiences and how that fits into people's lives. I'm your host, Yanni Sopanos. Today, I'm speaking with Rochelle Mutton, Senior OT and founder of Motivate Kids. And joining us is Tim Wilson, co-founder and director of Snapforms. A growing number of practice owners are recognizing the need to future-proof their allied healthcare practices and are interested to know how they can use a digital-first approach to do this. Growing a digital-first allied healthcare practice is easier than perhaps meets the eye, especially when the clinic owner's mindset is matched with health tech tools and expert guidance for implementing cultural change. Rochelle is an exemplary example of a healthcare leader who has the mindset, and by combining that with digital health tools such as Core Plus and Snapforms, has a fast-growing and evolving client experience within OT under the brand Motivate Kids. I wanted to showcase Rochelle's story today to capture the healthcare professional's viewpoint whilst mapping that to mine and Tim's mindset as health tech software providers. Let's jump in. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for coming along today. We're going to be talking about growing a digital-first allied health practice, and it's going to talk about some concepts embedded in that statement, what is digital-first allied healthcare, and also look at a number of ways to be able to support that technically, as well as also hear about an amazing growth story that our special guest here, Rochelle, is going to talk about with her journey into the practice space, growing practice, building teams, and working with technology to be able to support that as well. So we'll get straight into it with introductions. Just generally today, we'll be running through a bit of an introduction, talking about some of these concepts. We have here today, Rochelle. Rochelle, perhaps just a quick introduction about who you are and what you're doing. Hi, everyone. My name's Rochelle. I'm the Director and Senior Occupational Therapist at Motivate Kids, and we provide occupational therapy to children aged from birth all the way through to early adulthood. And I'll be able to share a little bit more with you all about what that looks like within this realm of technology as well. So thank you for having me, Yanni. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. Likewise, Rochelle. Thank you very much. And on the other side, we have Tim Wilson, who is a founder and, well, I'll let Tim sort of explain his role at Snapforms, which is an integration partner of Core Plus. And I'm very happy and delighted to have you here as well, Tim. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Thanks, Yanni. So yeah, Tim Wilson, co-founder and director of Snapforms. I'm looking forward to this session and talking about digital first in healthcare and how Snapforms, which as a forms provider and data management provider fits into that piece and how we've helped Rochelle and how we can help other Core Plus customers get their forms and data processes in flow. All right. Just unpacking that kind of headline, perhaps we'll sort of talk about what digital health is and I might just spend a couple of minutes giving you my sense of it. So a question that comes up is what is digital first healthcare? It's been a term that I've introduced into the market after thinking through what's been happening with technology over the years and adoption of technology by the allied healthcare sector. And a lot of it has been generally adopted to kind of fit in with the way that healthcare has been done always or traditionally. And Tim and I have talked about this from time to time. This might be a good opportunity, Tim, to get your thoughts on this as well around what we think digital first is versus perhaps healthcare with digital. So Tim, did you want to offer some thoughts around the distinction between those two things? For me, as someone who's not directly in the healthcare industry, I operate 
as a provider to the healthcare, I see digital first as providing a holistic experience to, you know, patients or your customers. So it's not just one piece of the puzzle, whether that's snap forms or others, it's the entire flow from when you first see them to when you see them in the session, when you follow up with them afterwards, it's providing that entire experience. And for me, experience is choice, you know, being served by healthcare the way I prefer to be served. And for me, you know, SnapForms is a piece of that. I and mean, I think there's a lot of other pieces, which I think Yanni and Rochelle can provide a lot of context on as well. Yeah, thanks, Tim. I've got a definition here and, you know, I call it an approach to enhancing healthcare using digital health systems and tools that support client-centric healthcare services and cooperation with other healthcare providers. So why do I phrase it that way? We've been doing this now for about 12 years. And in the early days, we were seeing that Allied Health were using a lot of pen and paper. For example, it was very appointment-based. You have to come into the clinic. It really required the client, the healthcare recipient, to move from their world into the world of the healthcare provider in order to gain access and to also participate with therapy and support. And as the years were starting to unfold, we saw some technology being used. There were things like surveys, for example. There were things like EDMs or email type tools. And that was kind of reflective of how the businesses were thought to be operated at that point in time, where you've sort of got to send a newsletter out or perhaps say happy birthday at the right time to the client. But the actual fundamental business model didn't really change. It still required the client to move out of their world and fit into the schedule of the healthcare clinic. And for a percentage of people, it's pretty obvious that that's okay. That's actually a pretty good model. But there's also a lot of people in the Australian community who, for whatever reason, either don't do that or they don't stay the course. So they might come for one appointment or two appointments, but then by about the third appointment, they're breaking away from therapy and discontinuing the engagement. So this is kind of an example of what I talk about as being healthcare with digital, as opposed to kind of reimagining that idea and starting to think from the point of view of the client, what actually does the client want in order to overcome those barriers or to deal with access in a different way? And there's a way of looking at that through our consumption in life. We go online to do research, we buy stuff online, goods and services, we even build relationships online, social networks, things of that nature. So the concept of lifestyle now is somewhere between the real world and the digital world. And so when you think about the idea of how can digital play a role in breaking down those barriers to access and breaking down the barriers to continuity or engagement through the course of therapy, this is what the idea of digital first goes to. It's a system of operation within a business combined with the type of health tech tools and other type of tools that can be introduced to support an end-to-end service experience. So I really like that term that you used, Tim, where you talk about the client experience. And so I kind of define it as digital first is your culture. It's a way of actually orienting your service to be very focused on what your clients want. How do they want you to engage with them today? Not 10 years ago or 15 years ago, but what is their lifestyle needing from you now? And there's a definition generally of what digital health is. It's basically thinking about healthcare in how it fits into the lives, the schedules, the goals and aspirations of your clients. So that's one way where you can sort of say, right, well, given that we have a high degree of empathy with what our clients need, how can we enhance or modify our service in order to meet their needs? And that then opens up a tremendous amount of opportunities beyond that. So digital first is your culture. How does that resonate with you, Rochelle? You know, I know we've talked about this leading into this presentation, but how have you found the association with that concept? Because I remember when we talked about it initially, weren't 100% clear what it might have meant. And I know it's a terminology, but tell me your thoughts on it these days. Yeah, absolutely. And I think 
it's something that we might have been doing without having a word to label our process. So as Tim mentioned, it's, it's that client experience all the way through that it enhances whether it's around the parents' experience bringing them to the clinic or if it's about being able to support them through therapy or through NDIS reviews. So it's become quite embedded, which is actually quite a natural progression for us. So it'll be really nice to share that story as we go through our OT journey shortly. Fantastic. And another way to think about it is in addition to the client experience or the customer experience, it also has a bearing on how we might actually build relationships with other providers and other providers might be your team members, but also referrers or collaborators or partners within the community that you're actually supporting or providing services to. And so it's a really holistic mindset and model for how to enhance, not radically change healthcare, but to look at where your customers are expecting things to be in order to fit more neatly into their life, their schedules, their goals and aspirations. And so you kind of meet them on their terms to an extent, but you also do it in a highly scalable, repeatable way. That's good from a business management standpoint, good from a recruiting standpoint, a job description standpoint, all of those things that are necessary to run a business effectively. So I, I kind of like to think of it as sort of a healthcare 360 type of idea. I guess that might be a good segue into talking about, Tim, something that's very passionate for Snapforms and I know for Core Plus, and certainly it's really self-evident in Rochelle's model, the idea of understanding the customer journey. What is it like to consume your healthcare service? Is it easy? Is it hard? How can we use digital thinking, not as an alternative to the way we do things, but as an enhancement to what's currently in place, all the good stuff that's in place, but kind of, you know, break down those barriers and build those bridges out into the lives of the clients. So Tim, I might ask you to sort of comment on this and kind of your thoughts around the idea of how technology plays a role in this. I think one word you said there really sung to me as someone who consumes healthcare, as all of us do, but that me not being in healthcare is my experience and that's easy. You know, was it easy for me to get the service I looked for, whether it's you know, physio, dental, occupational therapy? First and foremost is, was I serviced well? And I think that's always all of our, our focus is, you know, do we service our patients and clients well? But secondly is, yes, I was serviced well, but was it easy? And that easy might be, I walked into my session with my occupational therapist and they already knew everything about me because I provided that upfront. Or you know, I didn't spend the first 10 minutes of my 30 minute session explaining what I wanted to talk about. And when something is easy and when something was enjoyable or, you know, as good as those sessions can be, I'm likely to share that story with other people and you get that referral word of mouth. So I think there's business growth behind having the right model as well. One piece that you talked about, Yani, is that end-to-end -end experience as well. I think that end-to-end -end experience pertains to the staff of the organization as well. Was it easy for my staff to service those patients? Did I have the information I needed? to be able to service those patients well and provide them a good experience that they would come back or they would refer. So I think that's a real key piece to that digital first mindset as well. I think the term first is really important to put into context. We're not suggesting digital only or digital exclusive. That's just not going to work in healthcare. Healthcare really needs the human to human contact. It's really important part of the process. But there are things that happen in between appointments that could make or break the outcome, that could undermine or impede the goal. And if the client is not engaged, is not able to interact in a more convenient, easy way in a place and time that works for them. That could be the friction that you can get out of the way by introducing digital first. So what I'm showing here as far as this is called a journey map, and it's kind of a growing terminology, not just in technology, but I think in a lot of businesses that are focused on their customer 
And it's about actually mapping out what are the touch points. And by definition, a touch point is an interaction that a client has with your brand or with your service. So it could be viewing your website is a touch point. It could be ringing your reception is a touch point. It could be getting an invoice from you is a touch point. Obviously the actual healthcare service one-on-one is a touch point. So when you map out the journey through walking the shoes of your client, you can actually visually demonstrate the type of touch points that you have. And you may be surprised what you're actually putting your client through. It might be fantastic, at which point you don't really need to make some change, or it might be actually pretty bad. And it's a great tool and a great framework for actually being able to evaluate where the area of change needs to happen and potentially how that can be uh, turned from a difficult encounter or what's called a pain point where your client is having just a hard time actually interacting with your service and move it into a very positive and delightful experience. So you'll note in this image here, there's a section called a sentiment chart and I'm showing you how a health tech business would look at the journey of a software consumer, but it's the same horse, different jockey. It's the logic is the same that can be applied in healthcare where we sort of map out those touch points and then we develop a view as to what the sentiment is from the customer. And then we determine what the worst parts of our experience are for our customers. And then we focus on rectifying that. And so a sentiment chart, it may not be as clear in this slide, but halfway through that sentiment chart is kind of a horizontal line that might depict above that line is good and below that line is bad. So we can rank and prioritize the changes that need to be made by looking at the worst sentiment we have in our touch points and just focus on that. So just one thing at a time from a management standpoint to come up with a strategy that turns out from a pain point to a delight point. And then systematically over time, you're making progress in the experience your client's having, which on the weighted average of all those touch points is great. And that is a perfect end-to-end experience. This is where the digital health thinking comes into it as well. So this is a great process for capturing, communicating and visualizing what your customers' interactions are in the experience that you're providing them and how can that work to satisfy And by the way, you can actually use this exact same thinking to model an experience for your team members as well. And that's another way of looking at an experience that can be created, which will help with recruiting, with retention, with productivity within the operation of healthcare as well. So I might just ask you, Rochelle, these are somewhat technical and coming out of the tech space, but is it something that I already know the answer to this based on what I've observed in your own business, but... Tell us about your story and how you've built the experience that you offer your clients as well. Yeah, thanks, Yanni. So my experience started probably many years ago at the beginning of my career as an OT, where I've worked in a a range of practices from not-for-profit to private practices in Adelaide, where we were using what you talked about, Yanni, the pen and paper, and you'd have to go and get the manila folder out of the locked cupboard to write the case note. And goodness forbid you weren't at the right location that had the file. So it's almost been an experience of what it was like before to what it's like now. My journey has also taken me overseas. So studying and doing some work over in America as well as the UK. And when I came back home to Australia, it was a really quite a big light bulb moment having so much passion and drive to want to create a model that could change based on the needs of the clients and of the needs of our therapists and our staff in the moment. So being more responsive rather than just reactive. And that's where Motivate Kids in a way almost 
birthed itself almost five years ago now, which started with just two therapists and two receptionists to now we're a team of about 20 therapists and about seven receptionists and a practice manager that holds us all together. So we've certainly grown and one of the metaphors we often use, which is quite congruent with the metaphor used for, for example, the NDIS, is that we're building the plane while we're flying it. And that probably summarises our journey from bringing in that digital first approach where our operational manual of how we do things is constantly changing because of those possible pain points that come to light and because of that exercise of walking through what is a family's journey like from beginning to end as well as what's that like from the therapist from beginning to end as well as the receptionist from beginning to end and there are opportunities along that whole journey for each of those roles to be able to embrace a new way of doing something so that constant change and ability to reflect on doing what we can do best and staying client focused a lot of practices that I've experienced in the past there's always a lot of administration work and time spent where you're not doing what you love to do what fills you up what gives you really great satisfaction as a therapist you know you might be in the trenches of the administration work so when there is technology and digital first approach you're able to spend your time with the client and being able to connect. So I found that it's really enhanced, possibly the word I'd use would be the quality of the work that we get to do as well. So everyone's in a role where they get to excel at what they do. And if there is that pain point, there's various solutions like Tim mentioned as well. And that was where we were introduced to Snap Forms through Core Plus, which was quite a huge saviour for us. I think at the end of, not last year, the year before, if I'm right, Tim, that's where Snap Forms really helped us in the interface of gathering that information from our families before they walk through our doors at Motivate Kids. And so would now be a good time, Yanni, to maybe talk us through the OT journey and weave in how we have brought in Digital First? I think so. But just before we get into that, I'd love Tim to kind of share his story as well, because that journey mapping that I was describing a little bit earlier, what Snapforms have created are absolutely key to empowering health businesses to design their own touch points in terms of the stuff that can be done in between the appointments prior to and after the appointments. So Tim, perhaps I'll just hear from you, I guess, the reasons why, and I know you're a little bit broader than healthcare across the Snapforms customer community, but perhaps just thinking about it through the healthcare customers, tell us about the Snapforms story. Why did you build that product and what actually informed your own product roadmap and the production of those features? Thanks, Jamie. Yeah, we are one piece in that digital first healthcare puzzle. I think we're a pretty important piece, but it is just one piece. I think you mentioned it earlier too, Yanni, which I think is really important as well is choice. I don't think Snapforms is the only way to gather data from our clients or your clients. I think choice is a key part of it. And I think I relate myself to going into, and I went into a physio and I had the choice to fill in a piece of paper to register myself as a patient, or I had the choice to scan this QR code on the desk and you can do it on your phone. In a COVID world, that was very helpful as well, not having to share pens and papers and notepads. So, and I know that fed into then my subsequent sessions. So what, what Snapforms real focus is, providing healthcare organizations choice on how they service their customers. 
So that upfront you know, patient collection can be a choice and, and that provides hopefully a better experience when you decide how you want to be serviced. Following on from those choices or ways of interacting with your clients using forms is the data management. It's a huge headache for every organization, not just in healthcare, is how that information is captured and how it's put into your systems, whether that's a CRM or a practice management tool like CorePlus. Prior to a real digital focus, capturing that information and putting it into a practice management tool was probably a big headache for you, Yanni, on, on how you allowed your CorePlus customers to do that. But as a practice, Rochelle, I imagine that was very difficult for you. You probably had half of your receptionist time taking that information and putting it into a practice management tool or otherwise. I think it's that data management process that we have a huge focus on now, making sure that information is put into a tool like CorePlus efficiently, correctly making it easy for one, the patients to have a good experience. But again, it's the staff, it's easy. They don't have to spend five minutes after every session, putting all the notes together, putting it into a system or at the end of the day, I don't, not experienced enough in that space. Like you might be Rochelle, but that's my perception when I speak to a physio or a dental or something. I know there's probably a lot of headache afterwards from reception or otherwise. Hopefully we are a piece that makes a lot of other pieces a lot easier. Thanks, Tim. Absolutely agree. It's a very important piece. We've delighted customers that are happy with Snapforms and the integration. And Rochelle, coming back to you, the reason I wanted to offer Tim that time is we are talking conceptual frameworks and theories, and then there's products like CorePlus and there's products like Snapforms. But to synthesize that in the real world, your story needs to be told because it creates a very practical understanding of these types of ideas and who better to actually sort of talk to that. So Rochelle, tell us about your client experience and we'll go from there. Thanks for that, Yanni. So as I was talking about before, it's really important from my perspective as the director to make sure that the experience from families as well as the experience of therapists and the office team is as optimal as possible. You know, our values are really around connection and consistency and compassion. And for us, this digital first approach, it allows us to connect with our families before they even walk through the door in a way that for quite a lot of them, this digital online approach works fantastically. It also allows our therapists to be so prepared before they do walk through the doors, which means that time is spent more efficiently doing the right assessments or the right therapy right out the gate. So if I may, I'll walk you through what for us at Motivate Kids, our OT journey is all about. And a word that Tim used quite a bit was choice. And we have a choice around that journey because it needs to be tailored for every client. And some families have had occupational therapy in the past and for some it's their first experience. And you want to make that a positive one as well because sometimes therapy and the growth and the challenges that the child's working on is tough enough. So the experience of getting them through the doors and the information we need, when we can make that really simple, it just enhances it for everyone working together. So as Motivate Kids, our first service that we offer is something called a Concerns to Confidence call. And this is an option for families to be able to have a chat with a senior therapist to determine if occupational therapy is the next best step for their child. And so that's done through often the family will reach out on our website, which then links straight back into our office team's email address inbox for us to give them a call. We also get families walking through the doors as well as calling. So you're getting lots of different touch points already for that one service. 
And that allows us to then tailor what the next step might be. Like everywhere at the moment, there is a huge demand for a lot of allied health services, which means families are on wait lists and they're often on multiple wait lists. So we aim to be able to connect with them and look after our families on the wait list through something called regulation sessions. And this is an opportunity for families to come in on some one-off sessions to start to experience what it's like at Motivate Kids, as well as to get some of those strategies that they can apply at home or in childcare or school while they're waiting for their initial assessment. But at that point is really where our office team connect with the family to gain all that information that we might need to be able to prepare for that child walking through the door. So that's where Snap Forms came in for us. We had trialed a lot of different platforms out there to gain online information from families. And I think one of the biggest pain points for our families were they would log on and try to fill out a form and be halfway through and it might be bedtime or the child's crying and they need to move away from their phone or their computer and they would lose what they'd already inserted. So for us, Snap Forms, that was something that didn't happen anymore and families could start a form and come back to it at a different time. So those challenges from families were alleviated because as either service providers or families are aware, health professionals, we want to know everything. (laughs) Sometimes the things that you don't think are important are actually really key for us to know. So there are a lot of questions with a lot of information that we do want to know. So Snap Forms has helped us in that perspective to gain all of our parent information, but it's also made it so easy for parents to simply email the link to their child's school, to their child's childcare centre, to gain the perspective of the educator or the teacher. So we're able to stay really client and child focused by gaining the view from how that child functions across a range of environments. So our job as the therapist is to be able to help help enhance their participation so they can engage in that time to be able to sit at the floor or they can engage at recess and lunchtime and learn how to enter play with their friends. So Snap Forms has definitely been a huge change for our family approach that they can do that from home. But as you mentioned, Tim, as well, there's the choice. You can fill paperwork out when you get here as well or we do have some rare families that request for us to email the form and then they'll print it out as well so they have that choice and control and then when we have all that information beforehand the therapist is then really prepared for regulation session and if it is that child's time and there's a therapy space available we'll offer them an initial assessment So for us at Motivate Kids, an initial assessment is key to be able to gain a baseline of that child's strengths and challenges. So the therapist has accountability to measure how effective the therapy is, to make sure they're setting really meaningful, accurate goals with the family and to be able to determine when's a really good time for a break for that child or what could you be doing at home. So the initial assessment is such a big piece that does require a lot of that information from families prior and then the therapist will be able to pull together what they've observed with the child and what the home and school have reported. Our next step in our journey is we'll always do something called a parent carer meeting. So when we do see children for the initial assessment, we don't give feedback in the moment to families. 
that's a session about the child. We're really wanting to connect with them. And so the parent care meeting is where we don't have the children present, we don't have little ears listening, and we're able to talk through the, the parents' concerns and make that plan as to what therapy would look like, which leads us into our therapy sessions. And when we think about therapy, and you've mentioned Yanni as well as, and Tim, there's so much that therapists do beforehand, before that child even walks through the door with therapy. So our therapists will use Core Plus to plan their session before the child's even there. And then during the session, we use a range of different therapeutic tools that do use technology like many providers out there do. And then after the session, that's where our therapists can jump back into Core Plus really efficiently by using a template that we've created that works for um, Motivate Kids and they can complete that case note so that they're not spending a couple of hours at the end of the day having to think back and go through how did that child go? What was the challenge there? They're actually able to focus in the moment and record accurately how that child went in the session. The next step is monitoring and reviewing. And this is where it's really great to be able to use some of the functions within Core Plus to see how that child has progressed during their time in therapy and to be able to reassess and measure that as well. And we have the function that we are able to connect with all the team members of that child's team. So whether their GP, their speech pathologist, their physiotherapist, their psychologist, essentially if we have their email on file that comes from Snapforms into Core Plus, we're able to send out a really quick letter to be able to communicate to that team, hey, this is what we're working on with this child. These are some of the, the strategies we're using and we're using this language. This is what we're wanting to see in upcoming sessions. Would really appreciate any input if there's anything we can be doing in addition in sessions to make sure we're you know, working as a team. So it is a really intertwined relationship between the digital and the connection. And I think today's society, we're learning to connect digitally in a really positive way, but we also don't lose that essence of connecting in person. So it's a really nice balance for us here at Motivate Kids. And just the last few services that we offer in our journey is we do conduct offsite visits, which are where our therapists will go out to school or a kindy to observe the child in their natural environment. And again, that involves completing some forms and the therapist using the templates as well before and after that school visit. Groups similarly, booking in in the schedule, we offer a range of groups and this is always dependent on the families that we do have. What are their interests? Is there a time that's going to suit? And can we find something meaningful to help them achieve those goals? As well as our last service, which is Connect with Compassion, where we spend that time supporting parents in their journey so that they're best able to support their children as well. So it's a journey that can be tailored to every child. Each family is quite unique, but it's one that takes in a lot of consideration for the family's experience, the therapist's experience and the office team's experience as well. And I think like many industries, we always have our wish list of this is what we're wanting to achieve next, those next little pain points. And I think for us, what's worked really well with Snapforms 
and Core Plus is the responsiveness to be able to do that and to respond to those needs so quickly to make that difference. So it's been a great journey for us at Motivate Kids and something that we learn Every week there's always something new that's been released and how do we integrate that into what we're doing? So it helps keep us on our toes to integrate new ways of practicing and staying client focused, but with those values of connection and consistency to underpin everything. So we've certainly had an incredible experience so far and We're really excited to bring on some new pieces, like Tim mentioned. There's some new pieces coming out, such as Theratrack. We're really keen to jump on to Laura's Theratrack quite soon, which will help our therapists be able to weave in home programs into Core Plus and into our families' lives because parents are busy, life is busy. So if you have that technology that takes therapy into the home, it really just enhances the child's progress within therapy. So OT is great, once a week's fantastic, but there are a lot of other hours within that child's life that where there's opportunities to work on their goals. So it's a real collaborative approach and digital certainly helped us immensely, more than we ever imagined. So it's a very exciting journey to come. That's super awesome, Rochelle. Thanks so much. It kind of really provides me anyway, that kind of view of what it's like to operate an OT business and actually implement these structured parts of your end-to-end model for your client experience and how the various tools and also your leadership and your cultural evolution have built a end-to-end service experience as well. Because I think this is why we're really excited to put this together with you, Rochelle. It's sometimes sitting in the technical world and evangelizing health tech if there's not a framework to actually see it in action or to contextualize it in action, sometimes it gets missed. And you've just such a tremendous job. And I think in addition to the way you've used Core Plus and Snapforms and soon with Theratrack with Laura Simmons as well, those types of tools are uh, part of the clinical engagement model and part of the service experience you're offering. But I think with the way you've built your brand image and your marketing profile, need to be spoken about as well in terms of that digital first thinking. You've got some wonderful videos on your website where you personally speak to people who are researching your website and you talk to them about various things that you're doing, the way the content's laid out, your brand identity end-to-end. All of that is really embracing that type of digital first. So, you know, I really commend you on that. It's really something that should be showcased and others can go and see some of the stuff that you're doing there as well. Thank you, Yanni. And I think that's a huge credit to our marketing team who are so embedded in the way that we practice here. And I think they've almost become mini OTs over the years with the amount they've learned as well. So it's really a key part for us with our marketing team that they experience the in-house so they can communicate to everyone out of house what OT really is. Because sometimes until families have experienced it themselves or know someone, it's this big unknown. So That's one huge credit to our wonderful marketing team. And we've had on board since day one a wonderful graphic designer who does all of our graphics. And I think long gone are the days at the end of a therapy session where I go, okay, at home, I'd really like you to do a crab walk and I'll draw a little stick figure. And you've got to hope your therapists have good stick figure drawings and their handwriting you can read. And you give that bit of paper to the parent and they just put it in their bag and you go, oh my goodness, that's not coming out again, is it? 
Whereas now being able to have such collateral marketing collateral, it's so much more engaging for families and there's that better chance that they might get to practice it at home. So yeah, shout out to the whole team that probably are behind the lines that really support us in that area. So thanks, Yanni. It's a culture. I'd even go as far as saying that just throwing a piece of tech at something doesn't necessarily solve it. If the people aren't evolving with that cultural change, it's really, I think innovation is in the culture of the business, not just selecting a tool and subscribing to it. It's about actually that cultural development, that professional development, that transformation on how we do things compared to how we used to do things. That's where you embrace and capture the value of tools like Core Plus and Snapforms and others. But also they need that management and team commitment to be able to do it as well. What are your thoughts on that, Rochelle? Absolutely. And I think our team have really jumped on board with that. They use their initiative, they use their time to find things creatively. Like we use Canva quite a lot. And having all of our graphics from, we use an incredible lady called Holly Lowe, her designs, we drag and drop them. So our therapists get to be creative and it's a part of their day. So it's definitely a part of that culture. And we receive training from our marketing team about twining that into our culture. So our marketing team is Deconstruct Digital and they talk a lot to us about what's customer service, customer enhancement, because at the end of the day, you want to be the choice provider. You want families coming to you because they know they're consistently going to get that service. They're going to get that connection. And they're not just a number, you know, they're there and we see them and we connect with them on that human level, not just that service-based level. So it's definitely a part of our culture and feeling more like a family than, you know, an organization. Love it. It's great stuff. The question that comes up a bit that I wanted to ask you is what it's been like. Have you experienced any hesitation or resistance from either clients or team members as you've been sort of iterating your way through your business model? We haven't had any resistance. We've certainly had probably, which may reflect on my excitement and innovation, throwing out, let's try this tech, let's try this tech. And sometimes the team will go, yeah, we tried that. No, not that one. Oh yeah, no, no, not that one. So going through the journey of finding the right tech has probably been one for us from internally. Externally, all families have been really confident, open using the technology. And as I mentioned, there are some that definitely prefer to do forms by hand on a clipboard and paper, but there's been no pushback, no hesitation with technology. I think when we try to communicate, we'll always use a whole range of options. So things such as We'll use your MailChimp that sends out to all our different email lists or whether it's a poster up in reception or we have TV screens in reception that show some of the key messaging we're wanting to share with our families for the month as well as social media and those different platforms. So it's lots of digital touch points, but we still haven't lost your hard copy trifold flyers. Sometimes some families need to feel and hold on to that information. So it's being able to communicate with each family on where they're at. And like everyone, we need to hear the same information in different ways to be able to absorb it. So it's meeting everyone's needs, which means it creates accessibility to take on new information. That's awesome, Michelle. Thank you. And Tim, is this a common story across the uh, Snapforms network? 
Yeah, it's really interesting for me to hear that from you, Rochelle, because it's something that we see from a lot of our customers expressing concern around, or how do I handle this? So it's great to hear how you handle that concern of providing personal data. Healthcare data is by nature very personal, whether that's, you know, the the things you're going through that you need help with, or whether it's just, you know, your date of birth, email, et cetera, that you may not want to share. So it'd be really good to hear just from your perspective, how you've handled, if any of those objections have come up. And I know you said you work to paper still, but how that fits into your process and how you gave confidence to your clients that, you know, this process is, it does work and is going to give them the best service possible. Yeah, absolutely. I think for our families, there wasn't even a hesitation with, we're just going to send through an email with the links for you to fill out. 48 hours before your first session would be fantastic. From an internal perspective, we have quite rigorous process that ensures the confidentiality of that sensitive information. So how it gets stored through Snapforms and how we can download and clear as we need to as well. So we have confidence from our perspective, which is a requirement of our auditing through the NDIS. So we tick those boxes and we communicate that to our families through our parent policies as well. So they're really clear about how their information is retrieved, how it's stored and for how long that we do keep it and who accesses it as well. So families have used it really confidently. And sometimes if a family didn't get a chance to do the form before they come for their first session, or perhaps they're in for a review session and we need their feedback on how their child achieved their goals through their last year with us, we'll give them the SNAP form already loaded on the iPad so they can do it there in the moment, which trying to read some family's handwriting and therapist's handwriting, it really takes that barrier out and it just makes it really effective and efficient for everyone. Our staff have been really confident in using it and we haven't had those sort of barriers or hurdles to jump over in that perspective. So that's been really positive for us. Rochelle, what about the team member experience? How's that been for you? Because you've grown really fast in a relatively short period of time. You've got a very big team. What's that been like for you? It has grown beautifully and very organically as well. For us, with our staff using the forms or Core Plus, there's definitely that component of training that we do need to do. But as I mentioned before, the process changes quite frequently for us and There's always that internal part for me that it would be great to have that system consolidated and that's the way it's done. But I think empowering the staff to be able to voice what's working, what's not working has created that culture for us all to look at different ways of using the technology or different shortcuts or things we didn't realise. So it's been a positive one to create conversations, to create effectiveness between the staff particularly as we've grown so much, you get so many more families joining us and those intake forms being automated has saved hours from the receptionist perspective as well. And it eliminates that human error of typing emails wrong or date of birth wrong, which means we're a lot more consistent in our approach, which means where families have that more confidence in the way that we are able to deliver as well. So By all means, we're not perfect and things certainly happen, but when you've got a system that supports you, it's a lot easier to overcome when something doesn't quite go right for whatever reason that may be. It's really insightful and interesting. We often hear across our network what kind of recruiting challenges are happening out there. 
and you've grown a very large team in a relatively short period of time where I think it's fair to say it wasn't just the pandemic period that's really put pressure on the supply side of healthcare. That constraint was being felt even before that. I think a lot of people were complaining about that in 19 as well and maybe in 18. So how do you think the way that you've used digital and embraced digital plays a role in recruiting talent and building your team? I think within the OT world and I think actually possibly within many allied health industries, there is such a shortage of therapists for the amount of children who are accessing NDIS, let alone children who might just need that boost in certain areas. So we as a profession are certainly understaffed and the unis are doing their best to train the new wave coming through and that's where we provide that opportunity to take students on um, for placement so that we get them ready into before they even hit the workforce. And for us last year, we rolled out an OT assistant program. So that was where we took a cohort of fourth year uni students who were still completing their degrees. And they spent six months in sessions learning all of our processes, learning how we work as therapists, learning how to use the equipment safely so that then by the time they graduated, they were ready to hit the ground running. And as a part of that process, we've utilised some digital online learning platforms where we've filmed our own training modules where we do, where staff go through lots of different topics and lots of different areas so that they're engaging in a learning curriculum online as interactive as it can be so they feel confident starting as new graduates and feeling supportive as well. So digital side of recruitment has certainly helped the onboarding part with our staff and whether that be all your orientation checklists or opportunities for them to sit in on initial assessments or NDIS reviews or parent meetings so that we make sure we keep track of each therapist's their own professional development plan so they're still growing in their roles as well as the hiring. I think it's something that we're always keeping an eye out. We'll always have our options and opportunities are always vacant because it's about finding the right people to join your team. As many industries would know, the time it takes to onboard and train someone up to when they're independent in their role, it's a good maybe six to 12 months before you get to that point. So it's really key the interviewing and the very first few steps within that recruitment are spot on. So we've certainly made sure that that's been a focus, particularly as you mentioned, pre-pandemic and and during as well. So it's something that we often ask feedback from our staff, what's working, what's not working, what do you wish you knew then that you know now so that we can improve that cycle for the new members joining our team in the future. I was doing a talk last night with Paul Wright's Practiceology community. We had 48 business owners in that session and recruitment was the number one topic of discussion. And as Paul says, you should always be recruiting. But some of the statistics that I've been looking at are showing that what appears to be a shortage is really in the active market. So these are people who are actively looking at jobs and clicking on them in terms of applying. But there's another side of recruiting called the passive market, which is people who are looking at roles, but not applying, but they haven't found exactly what they're looking for. And I was sort of curious whether the well-positioned businesses like yourself with your branding and your marketing and the way you not only talk to your families and clients, but also how you speak to your peers in the industry. 
that seems to be a differentiator where that employer value proposition makes a difference. So somebody who's passively looking at job ads is then motivated to go, yep, this sounds like the right fit for me. I'm going to apply. Whereas they won't actually touch the standard job ads that they're seeing in the market. And OT is actually one of the largest groups. It's about 50% of the traffic through Seek at the moment, combined with physio and rehab, but it's about 50% of the job market activity in healthcare at the moment. And what they're reporting is that there's been no decline in observation of job ads or viewing engagement, but what's dropped off significantly is the next step, which is converting to applying for the role. So I ask you that question with that in mind, because I think that's another thing that we can learn through that kind of designing experiences for candidates and for prospective team members. And Tim, I'm just curious, because I know Snapforms has templates around all sorts of stuff to do with business, but how are you finding that standardization of recruiting touch points being introduced into the Snapforms use cases? Yeah, well, I guess not necessarily specific to healthcare, but we have a lot of HR departments and recruitment agencies using Snapforms as well to collect that candidate information up front. So, you know, resumes and previous history and so forth. So, you know, it's used in a lot of different scenarios. I think the way you've been doing recruitment, Rochelle, you know, getting to that those resources before they hit the market, I think that's just that mindset that you have that's been inspirational for me to hear. It's that constant changing mindset and always ready to adopt to a new process and make something better and not sticking to the old. So I think, you know, it's a real credit to you and, and Motivate Kids and it shows why you've grown so quickly, I think. Thanks, Tim. We went through recruitment agencies where people would tap therapists on the shoulder and it always kind of makes me cringe. <laughs> Maybe it flatters them, I'm not sure, but perhaps you're right, Yanni, if it's how we showcase ourselves digitally and what we offer and how we connect within the industry People spend so much of their waking days at work and their life at work. So you want to be a part of a culture and a community that aligns with your values and your vision as an individual, whether that be as a therapist or the office team as well. And certainly I'm a part of a cohort of OTs within different businesses, whether it be government or private, where we do try to meet and talk about some of those challenges, whether it be recruitment or how do we support new graduates. It's really important as a community that we support each other of as senior therapists rather than it being a competitive market because when your goal is client focused and you focus on the client and giving to the client, the success then naturally happens. Whereas if you just focus on the success, you lose what's really important. And particularly within healthcare industry, that is that, that little human being. So, which is a part of a bigger network of their family. So it's, looking after your staff that you've got, as well as creating opportunities to invite new staff to join your team and join your vision, which is certainly where we're about to head in the next 12 months. We're undertaking a beautiful purpose build at the moment that you could provide therapy anywhere, but the environment as an OT can transform your therapy gains. You know, if your therapist is so regulated, they're so engaged, their well-being is amazing. Imagine what therapy would look like or the state-of-the-art resources and environment that your child's engaging therapy in. So many more changes are going to happen in the brain. You know, that child is going to respond to that novelty of that new game in that new space. So it's a win-win. And I think that's where Digital is just going to be huge in that next jump for us. 
Yeah, absolutely. Just such wise words. I think I could keep talking to you for ages, Rochelle, with these insights. I'd probably say, you know, as I like to say these days, tips and tricks with using some of the digital stuff. When it's a tight market and there aren't that many candidates coming through, making that whole recruitment process as seamless and a delightful touchpoint experience all the way through is going to make the difference. And that would even go as far as eliminating those barriers that sometimes get in the way, such as we need to make an appointment to see you. It's got to be in person. It's like, well, maybe we can do it online initially and then move from there. Or when it comes to the letter of offer, rather than send it out as paper or something that needs to be printed, signed, scanned back in, sent. It's kind of thinking about all of those, those little friction points and just do it electronic and have an electronic signature there so that when the letter of offer is received, it's just quickly accepted and it's done. And a lot of the evidence shows that when it's tight market, acting quickly on candidates that you like is the place you want to be. You don't want to delay that process in any way, shape or form. I just wanted to just do a quick recap that digital first is not digital exclusive or digital only. It's a mindset. It's about actually thinking about the delivery of service through the eyes of your client and also through the eyes of your team members. It's using tools that can define the rails and the standards and the culture within your business that you can train to and have a nice streamlined end-to-end set of processes and work streams in your business to deliver a high quality and a very delightful experience to your clients and to your team members. And Rochelle is a shining example of the progress that can be made in a short period of time, growing a very substantial healthcare business with a great mindset, a great attitude to brand and marketing, great attitude to clients and team members. And products like Core Plus and Snapforms, just humble elements of an overall culture that can actually make a difference there. So hopefully that's a quick summary of today's discussion. And thanks, Tim, for making the time today and coming along and telling us a bit more about Snapforms. And Rochelle, thank you so much for telling us your story. Have a good day, everyone. Thanks, Yanni. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Yanni. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. This podcast is produced in collaboration with Health Tech X, where we are working toward a world of integrated digital health empowerment for all people. If you'd like more info on how to get involved, head over to the website, healthtechx.com.au. Or if you have any feedback about the show, you can reach out to me directly on LinkedIn, Instagram, or email by following the links in this episode's show notes. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to Reimagining Healthcare in your podcast app. And if you liked what you heard, leave us a five-star review. It really helps other people find the show. I'm your host, Yanni Sopanos, and I'll speak to you in our next episode.